A Frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Captain Slug. Its ongoing mission to explore strange new episodes, to seek out new jokes and new references, to split infinitives that no one has split before. Captain Slog, Stardate 52. These are the continued voyages of Eddie Edwards and his friend and colleague uh, Mark Bench as we trek our way through all of Star Trek, the next generation. Um, Mark, uh, how you been? How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Um, Not much to report, to be honest. Uh, I've become a bit obsessed with a video that I saw on Reddit about, I think I've told you about this before, about the lingerie league football yeah um, yes you have and uh, <laughs> just the fact that i guess the i guess the bras and panties are to get the punters in but everyone else involved is like totally sold on it being a real sport and it makes yeah. me really happy to see the coaches just just giving it out to them players and not not from like a i love humiliation aspect because i i don't that's not my kink it's not any of my kinks i, I like people to feel you know loved in that um, but I just think it's funny that that's exactly the way that a coach would speak to a male team and he's just giving it out to these women in their underwear and uh, look, that's what comedy is juxtaposition isn't it? That's yeah, that's the point, yeah. otherwise we'd just be saying facts <laughs> that's why sometimes we can say things on this podcast that if we just if you just read them in a newspaper and God willing one day you will you could think, man, these two guys, they've really, they've got issues. They've got issues. They seem to hate a lot of people. They really, they really seem to have it out for the blind. Uh, they won't read it in the newspaper. But no, the, no, that's 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 what they'll write. <laughs> if you're ever reading a transcript of this podcast in a newspaper, I'm assuming it's going to be published under the heading "A Manifesto." Um... <laughs> yeah, the only, the only, like when, when we finally get taken to to court for the old for the old thought crimes. Um, the the, on, the only episode of this podcast that I'm not immediately destroying in like a server fire uh, is going to be the old one where we suggested that the way to fix the KKK was to make Michelle Obama its leader. Because <laughs> I'll be like, you can't seriously think that we think that, right? <laughs> I might keep up the I might keep up the one where we talk about the Borg as well. That was like that was specifically good. we we just did a lot of talking about Star Trek, and that's relatively blameless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although um, although uh, we are going to get to a point where we have a very pro Borg episode. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> how how have you been? Oh, I've, I saw the I saw the whale. Um, uh, and they need to invent new awards to give Brendan Fraser. It's I, 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 I. But the it, I, I cried. I cried a lot. And then and when I was outside the cinema, every I was waiting uh, for Emma uh, in the toilet, and every person who walked past who had walked out of the cinema was similarly like drying their eyes and stuff. It's, it's. It's it's one of the best performances I've ever seen anybody give 
in a movie. And I've also recently watched The Banshees of Edmund Sheeran, so I am including Barry Keown in that. Oh. Um, uh... <laughs> oh. I am... Um... So I've been reading a lot about uh, about filmmaking recently, particularly when it comes to technical filmmaking, and I've been reading a lot uh, about the uh, about the the ideas of of, of known woman hater Alfred Hitchcock, and uh, <laughs> one of one of his big things is is like, uh, well, if you right here's how you create tension, right? If you have a scene where two people walk into a room and they sit down at a table and they have a conversation. There's, there's no way to put tension in that other than emotional tension. If you show a guy five minutes before they arrive putting a bomb under the table and then fucking off, then you're just sitting there the whole time waiting for the bomb to go off. And that's why I think this the title of this film should have been The Whale Dies at the End. Because <laughs> it's not a spoiler. I, I, from what I understand, I haven't seen it, but you're literally told in like the opening minutes, oh yeah, this is, this is how this story ends, by the way. Yeah, no. Yeah, they don't. They don't manage to pull off. It's not a surprise that he's fat. Because um, <laughs> yeah. I, so I, I've been told like the movie was. I've been told uh, lots of prosthetics and Brendan Fraser plays somebody who's struggling with his weight, trying to reconnect with his daughter. And I had assumed that meant this was going to be somewhat a triumphant story of a man trying to shed the weight um, yeah. to reconnect with his daughter that way. And it is not that. Um, it is, and it's and it's very clear. So it's based on a play, um, it, like which I only found out from the end of the credits, uh, like the credits. And um, yeah, it's obviously a play because there's like five people in it, and it like it takes place over like in two rooms because yeah. obviously Brendan Fraser's character can't move because he's a big fat fuck. Um, uh, <laughs> And, no, and to be fair to the movie, they do shy away. Not shy away. They don't play. It's, it would be very easy for him to come across as disgusting and non-sympathetic because you would find that disgusting. And they kind of veer away from that until they reach a certain point <laughs> when they're like, "No, this is this this is this is this is what it is." Uh, and yeah, it's it it literally it starts with him having a near fatal heart attack. And like that's the first thing that happens in the movie. Yeah. Uh, and and then uh, and then he just goes, well, I'm, I'm either going to die or I've got to get my life in shape. And then he just continues to eat. <laughs> do you think? Do you think Kevin Smith wishes that his career could have kickstarted again after a near fatal heart attack? Because <laughs> I saw Jay and Silent Sorry. Bob reboot and it was fine. I saw Clerks Three and it hit me, but it was. For different reasons, it's it, so. I saw an interesting thing the other day, which was um, I say the other day. This is comedy the other day. I saw it about five years ago. Um, so there, there used to be a YouTube uh, series called Movie Fights, yes. which is basically like three people having a debate club um, about movies, uh, which isn't a thing anymore because the person who his idea it was turned out to be a dirtbag. Um, <laughs> but. Um, they they did a, a version once, which was I think it was their night. Was it? Well, it was Clerks ninety three, was it? Ninety three, ninety four, depending on yeah. yeah. What you think? So yeah. they did an episode where the the gimmick was we are doing movie fights, but it is nineteen ninety three, <laughs> and one of the que- and one of the questions was, uh, given their uh, the the their respective years, who is the more exciting filmmaker right now, Quentin Tarantino or Kevin Smith? 
And it is so disappointing that Kevin Smith went very much the... I, look, I liked Clerks uh, a lot. I like more rats. I think Dog was okay. Like that, yeah. I think Kevin Smith's a fine director, but he could have gone in a much more interesting direction. Yeah, and he didn't. He he could have mined a lot more of his own experience. Wait, no, actually, no. To be to, to, to be fair to Kevin Smith, he he did. His stories are about yeah. him hanging out with his sto- with his best friend Jay, and uh, that that time that he had on a he had a love affair with, or he had a relationship with someone who maybe sexually wasn't quite sexuality-wise compatible because Ch- Chasing Amy is based on a relationship that he had, I I believe. It's been a, it's been a while since I've done a deep dive into Kevin yeah. Smith, but I think that is the case. Um, yeah. So his, his, best, his best movies are about him mining his own life for his own perspective. And weirdly... Yeah. Like that time you met God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> weirdly, that's going to play into something that... Quite, my kind of big thesis on, on this episode of Star Trek okay. Generation. Uh, so should we start talking about this episode? Yeah, good, good idea, um, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, so the plot of this episode is somebody dies uh, and then uh, a, a weird fucking energy alien turns up as their dead parent. Which, I'm just going to throw this out there, happens a lot in science fiction. And aliens, if you have somehow stumbled across this being broadcast into the ether, that's not cool. No. Uh, like, ch- be church. If you have to be somebody we recognise, be like Martin Luther King or Churchill or something, right? It's <laughs> There's a lot to choose from who aren't like emotionally damaging. <laughs> do, you think that, do you think that wee boy would have been in a happier place if after his mum died, Winston Churchill showed up to take care of him? <laughs> I don't know what his what his thoughts on on the theatre of war in World War Two would have been. Uh, maybe if it was Ephraim Cochran. That's a that's yeah. a historical figure. And he'd I mean, be aware of. Look, there's there's <laughs> nothing in this episode that says that his own mum doesn't defend her own use of concentration camps in <laughs> Africa and uh, India. So you know, that's what's not mentioned in this episode is that he's lucky that she died before he developed enough to realise what a terrible person she was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then he goes back to um, Earth and becomes the bad guy in Robocop 2. <laughs> Did you look up who this kid is? No, I knew that kid. I um, I, 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 I didn't look him up. I, I only know him from being the bad guy in Robocop 2. Uh, he's also... Um, he's also... He was a voice actor before this so I think we we keep alive our streak of really solid good guest stars because this guy this kid was the voice of Littlefoot in Land Before Time wow um, which now I've brought it up we are like, I think contractually obligated to mention the horrific thing about Ducky from the Land Before Time uh, do you not know this? no okay so um, the the girl who voiced Ducky uh, was also uh, the voice of the puppy in All Dogs Go to Heaven, yep. which is a movie that uh, was released in her memory uh, because she was uh, she she was mur- her and her mum were murdered by her her dad, uh, who they committed suicide. Yeah, um, what was her name? Emma Benoit. Uh, <laughs> Uh, 
you've just got the WWE Network, have you? Haven't sure you? have. Uh, I've been looking you... for that episode, Eddie. I can't find it. <laughs> if you ever like, they used to—I don't know if they still have it—but they used to have like chapter sections where you could pick out matches, and it's so much fun to be like to go through it. It's like match The Rock versus Stone Cold, and then the next match is called. Undertaker, Kototo, and then the next match is just called Chris Jericho wins the world title. It's like, oh, I wonder who he won that off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tragic. Uh, anyway, yeah. uh, did they ever go on to do anything else, or did they do the standard child actor thing of going and becoming like a real estate lawyer or something? Um, so I, I looked into this, and yeah, they are listed as a former actor on their right. Wikipedia page. But they were active and doing stuff up until about like two thousand and like uh, up until about two thousand one. Interesting. So, so they 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 got all the way to like adulthood, and they were producer. But yeah, I think they were like they've ducked out. Um, but I know. So according to the the Wikipedia page of the the one who died, um, that she was earning like a hundred grand a year as a child actor. By the time, by at the by the time of her death. So I'm assuming, like, I don't I don't think that Ducky was on significantly more money than Littlefoot, right? So I'm just saying that that kid's probably in that nice category of like. I once saw an interview with Macaulay Culkin when he was about like 25, and somebody asked him like, "What have you been doing since like?" And he's like, "I earned enough money as a kid that I could basically lay in bed and eat cereal all the rest of my life. <laughs> so I, I just doing whatever I want." Yeah. And I feel like yeah. I feel like people don't look enough into uh, the financial aspects of uh, double murder suicides. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Where did that? Where did her money go? No. Yeah. Exactly. Hopefully, hopefully it went to like a. I was going to say a paleontology charity, but what would that be? <laughs> Rehousing homeless dinosaurs. <laughs> and you go there, and and you kid, and it's it's like it's like a pet. So you know, you know, obviously, like you get like a dog's home or a cat's home, and you you take a kid and you say, "Oh my God, kid, we're going to be good today. We're going to go and adopt. We're going to go and adopt a, a homeless cat, maybe a cat that's had a hard life, uh, or that or yeah. it didn't have any love, and it's and it's uh, life." And, and you go there, and the kid bonds with the cat, and it, the story of Lilo and Stitch, right? If you were to say <laughs> we're going to go to a dinosaur shelter, and you showed up, and all they had was just a cage full of chickens and pigeons. You'd, you'd be like, look, I get it, but this is—I don't feel like this is the time to teach my kid a lesson in semantics. No, but equally, it's like, well, okay, in this case, this is the cage with our velociraptors in it, um, and uh, if we could, you can go in there, but they'll rip you to—they'll <laughs> rip you to shreds. Don't believe what you've seen in the legacy sequels of Jurassic Park. You can't tame them. No, <laughs> exactly. No. Like, why do you think this cow's on a harness? Because we're going to drop it in from the top. <laughs> Can we adopt the cow? No, the cow. The cow is no because if they, if you take the cow home, the velociraptors are going to eat us. Because as, <laughs> as you may know, velociraptors get smarter the hungrier that they get, and uh, there's a lot of doors in there with quite. Don't get me wrong, very complex door handles, but eventually they'll figure it out. <laughs> and what you get then is a kid who's like, because I know kids. Kids are dicks. You, you get a kid who isn't going to shut up until he goes home with a velociraptor. Yeah. And you know what? That Velociraptor's going to rip you to shreds in the car home. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and then that Velociraptor's got a car. So, <laughs> and that's the real threat, isn't it? Twice as dangerous. <laughs> um, so, obviously, big promotion this episode. And I feel like a lot of the chat is going to be around 
Le- Lieutenant Commander Worf. What's what's Worf's? Is it Lieutenant Worf? What's his what's his title? He's, I think he's lieutenant at this point. Yeah. Because uh, this is why we, we part of our gimmick is that we get promoted every season, but we're going to be lieutenants for the last season, this season, and next season because there's three grades of lieutenant. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so, so yeah, I think he's like the mid tier lieutenant at this point. But um, yeah, I like that his he he he, he doesn't feel that he can. It, the problem is that somebody's died on his watch. And he feels that he can't, like, there's no honour to be found because there's nobody... Because they were killed by a mine that was left behind by, like, a long dead species. Uh, and so Worf can't get revenge. Yeah. Uh, that Which is incredibly shit for uh, a Klingon. Well, <laughs> I, I kind of looked into reactions to this episode and a, and a lot of the discourse around this episode, and I found something very, very... Something that, that, I, that I guess kind of had like a, a thought forming in my mind while I was watching it that I just couldn't really put into the words, and someone said it for me, which is that Star Trek has always had fantastic autism representation for its time. Now, looking yeah. back on Next Generation now, we can see that the autism-coded character is Data, obviously, right? However... Knowing now what we know about ASD and autism, it's so much clearer that the autistic character on the bridge on the Enterprise is Worf. <laughs> because yeah. from the very first moment when they when they when they beam back up to the ship and the dead body's there and Captain Picard says, I have to go and talk to the kid and tell him that the mum's dead and Worf is like, I'll come with you and let the entire crew turns around and is like, you've maybe not stay here, Worf. <laughs> Get get yourself feeling better. Yeah, and and inability to emotionally, can not connect. Inability to emotionally sympathise with someone who doesn't feel emotions the same way that you do is like yeah, that's it. That's part. that's number one in it. That's the that's the big <laughs> tick. Yeah, I, I was say, I was gonna say like Worf's promotion, one hundred percent. I also think, like, I don't know if we have to give him a promotion, but I do want to especially shout out Wesley for being put in the position of, um, I, as your captain, am ordering you to go towards this child about the worst day of your life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was there. We remember it. Fun times. I yeah. turned up at your door, told you your dad was dead. <laughs> yeah. Your and then, uh... <laughs> on the way out. Quick, quick one. And the couple. Well, at the time, Wesley does say that I have got that written down. It's like, oh, at the time, I was really angry with you, Captain. And like, he says, like, says that he was angry with Picard. And then at the end of that, he says, "It's okay, Captain. I don't blame you anymore. You can fuck my mum now." <laughs> it was bizarre. That's that's why the Netflix rating uh, for stuff for this <laughs> is an eighteen. You're like, what? What episode? Turns out it's this one exact moment. Did you know that? So. On a tangent on that very subject, uh, I bought the. <laughs> I, I, on the very subject of banging Wesley's mum. No, on, <laughs> I, I bought the entire um, DVD run of Stargate SG One. Oh. When it was in a beautiful big, I still have it. It's, it's in a beautiful big box set. And, oh yeah, uh, it's, it's gorgeous that thing. It's eighteen rated, and I was like, oh. It's weird. I wonder why. And then an hour into the pilot, I'm like, oh, that's why. There is full frontal t- female nudity in the pilot of Stargate SG-1. 
What? Yep. <laughs> you see full tits, full bush, everything. It's when uh, Daniel Jackson's uh, uh, wife is taken in to be inseminated with the with a goo old. Uh, they, they totally strip her off and have her stand there naked. And it's like a shot that lasts maybe three and a half seconds, maybe even a little... <laughs> no, in fact, probably even not that much. I would I would reckon between two and three seconds. And and that's it. But because it... I, I'm not, we're not experts on Stargate SG-1 uh, as much as we are experts on Star Trek. Uh, but, it, <laughs> I, but I think Star, the thing was it was on a brand new cable channel. And at the time, everyone on cable was like, let's see what we can get away with. So this show <laughs> that was going to be made for nerds and watchable by kids, they went, let's just put in one bit of female nudity just to just to really, just to really really hammer it home that this is on cable. I don't know. If, I don't know if it played on TV, but it is, it's on the DVD. If I'd seen that as a child, like if I was like eleven, I would have watched Stargate SG One every fucking week, just on the off chance that there'd be naked a naked woman again. Maybe that's, that's why they did that. That's solid marketing. Yeah. <laughs> did you know that they? Um, uh, I can't remember the director's name. Uh, person who directed Stargate does want. Uh, he's been approached about doing like a legacy sequel. Yeah. Um, of, of Stargate, but he said he'd only do it if he could ignore everything that happened in the TV show. And it's like, <laughs> but. but the TV show is way more culturally relevant than a movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bizarre. Um, so, O'Brien watch. Chief O'Brien, he's in this one. Uh, I was a little bit worried that he wasn't going to get any lines because he no, once again he... shows up on screen and doesn't say anything and is shushed by Picard as soon as he tries to open his mouth. Uh, but I, th- I think he gets one line. Yeah, good he does him. have a line. Like, good for him. Well done. Get that. That's extra pay. Yeah. Like on like that's as the pay scales work on these things. That's probably an extra couple of grand in Colmini's pocket. That's that's <laughs> that's him being able to to wait another week before he says yes to a project. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I want to say. Okay, look, I, I, we we joked about this subject quite a lot on this, and I think it's time we just have to admit something that while it is a widely accepted like joke among Star Trek fans that Troy isn't a good counselor, Troy is a really good counselor. Yeah, she is excellent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In this, she gives a speech about like how happy she is that um, the kid's mum's dead because this is like her favourite thing to do. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. I wasn't paying attention. It's been like a week since I watched this. Uh, but yeah, she like explains like how helping somebody get over the grieving process in a way that sounds like what a counsellor would say. Yeah. Um, and is good at her job here of being like, no, I know that this alien is pretending to be your dead mum, which again, fucked. <laughs> Don't do that. No. Don't do that. To, and not just to aliens. Like, if you're a normal person, right, and you're thinking of you've got a hilarious joke that involves pretending to be a kid's dead mum, don't do it. Yeah, uh, I don't care how realistic the mask is. Don't, don't, don't get what is it? Chat, chat, GBT, GPT, whatever. Don't, don't get that to. Don't, don't go on there and type in. Uh, I'm trying to convince this kid that his dead mum is alive. Uh, can you help me do that? Because it will give you like eight paragraphs. Um, 
explaining it, it, like like just and it's it's getting really good it actually it really frightens me how good this this chat thing is getting um but yeah don't do it bad news yeah i've seen somebody use it for like knocking out like a newspaper for their dungeons and dragons city yeah uh, like oh yeah, just what events have been happening in Waterdeep? I need you to mention something about Owlbears, and he give him like a fucking full bunch of yeah, chat G, yeah, yeah. I'm worried about it. Yep. Uh, this is the death of the. This is the beginning of the death of the human race. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. So on the one hand, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we done all we we done all we could. Uh, yeah. Really, after we should have wrapped it all up after Shakespeare, to be honest with you. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, do you think? So I, I haven't. So, do you think that this episode was a reaction to all the red shirt deaths in the original track? Because we haven't had a crew member die for a while, and any time it does happen, they very they they always bring it up. Yeah, I, uh, I've, I've heard a fan theory um, about this about the something that's like the difference between original series and tng and the the fact that they changed the color the colors of the shirts around yeah yeah you've you've i've I've heard yeah i've heard a fan theory that there was something so horrific where every red shirt died uh and then like that it became a thing that the red shirts were like i'm not gonna do it and then like they they had a comprehensive review of their health and safety policies yeah and then to show that they were going to be taking safety seriously going forward, they swapped the colours. Yeah. Uh, as a and I kind of buy it because you're right. Like again, it's another commonly accepted trope: red shirts die all the time. But no, yeah, we feel like, like maybe t- like other than the ones who were killed by the Borg, which Mr. Was Singh. Ex- yeah, Mister Singh. Yeah. And then there was the yeah seven were killed by the Borg. Well, were taken by the Borg. And and that was supposed to be deliberately over the top and like extreme. Yeah. So yeah, I don't like. I, yeah, there's very few. I wonder if this episode just just from the head, just from the my my, my like writer's mind. I kind of when this because I've seen this episode before. I I remember when it started. I thought, oh, I remember this episode. The bad guy, the the kid who plays the bad guy, Robocop Two, is it? Um, <laughs> But um, I wonder if this episode would have been more uh, Im- important, quote unquote, if they if the energy alien playing the dead mum shit, get that to fuck right, uh, and just deal with like this should have been a Troy episode. This should have been yeah. an episode of just what is it actually like to be a counselor on a starship that regularly flies into half baked battles against things that they don't understand. Yeah, like what? Like what is the hum? What is the human toll of boldly going? Yeah, and and additionally, also then having to deal with the fact that it's like, well, your mum's dead, so that's horrible. But also, your your dad has previously passed away, so like you've gone through this horrific experience. But also, pack your things. Yeah, <laughs> this is yeah. Look, we're, <laughs> you, all, we're, we're here. We're only allowed one <laughs> child soldier on this ship. <laughs> and this guy's already got the job so I'm going to leave you now with Ensign Wesley who's going to talk you through the worst day of his life there's there's the day I fucked his mum there's 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 legs in a story set in the Federation 
in an orphanage. Yeah. Like, there's there's a series you could do of all, like, children whose parents have been horrifically murdered. Like, you got somebody, like, uh, goes, oh, so your dad was murdered. No, no, he was turned into a bork. He actually tried to assimilate me later that day. <laughs> like, like, there's horrific stuff. Oh, what happened to your parents? Oh, they phased through the floor. Uh, and then they were outside in space and they died. Yeah. L- <laughs> luckily, I was, uh, luckily, I was on a trampoline at the time. And that's why I only lost my legs from the ankles down. Um, <laughs> what's for dinner? <laughs> Whatever you want, we have replicators. <laughs> That's how we built you. That's how Jensen built you those new legs. Do you like them? Yeah, they're great. Anyway, here's Wesley to talk to you about the day I fucked his mum. <laughs> yeah, this episode. It's like um, you say it should have been a Troy episode. I think this feels like it was like uh, it feels like I don't know how like what the writers' room was like on TNG. But I feel like this was maybe originally pitched as a Wharf and Troy episode. Yeah. With, like, maybe the idea of, like, oh, Wharf, like, having... What would have been great to see is, like, no, Wharf, you were on an away team where somebody died. That counts as trauma. You have to go see the counsellor and have, like, like mandatory, like, post-traumatic stress. And having Wharf just sit there and just go, fuck off. Like, that could have yeah. been quite interesting but then I think that somebody else came in and go oh we can actually make this about Wesley and Picard and I think I think there would be something to say because obviously this episode is is told what do you know can you remember the little boy's name I can't remember uh oh yes um I've got it Jeffrey Jeffrey right so the Jeremy 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 Astor Jeremy right there's something to be said to still have this episode be told from Jeremy's perspective because a kid and he looks about I don't know about eight or nine I can't tell anymore uh, he looks about eight or nine, and there would be something to be said for Worf, the guy who was with his mom when she died, being a big scary man that he doesn't understand because he's an alien, and Troy, the counsellor, also being an alien, because that's kind of how kids feel about a lot of adults. Like, kids a lot of time don't have it, not empathy, they, they, they can't connect with adults they see as being other. Yeah. So they they don't know how to how to deal with that. Uh, so having having an, an an extremely violent, scary alien come to you and tell you, "Oh, your mum is dead. We're going to do this about it." And then a counselor come and say, "Well, no, actually, here's the correct way to go with it." And Jeremy's <laughs> like, "You both, you're both fucking weirdos from other planets. I can you please just leave me to grieve my dead mum uh, here in here in the." <laughs> Here in the cargo section where I've been moved so that uh, another couple can move into my fucking apartment. <laughs> there must be... Because Jensen's got a new girlfriend and he wants that as his fuck pad. I've, <laughs> I've never considered this, but Troy must... Like, okay, in the same way I imagine like a Starfleet doctor has to know the physiology of like all of the, the creatures... Uh, they, they, like all of the alien races that could serve on the ship. Does, so Tro- I assume then Troy needs to be aware of like the emotional, like and cultural structures of every race that they would be, encounter. Because like it's going to be like, oh yeah, Wolf, you need to go and deal with this. Like, how, like Wolf deals with this by like going on the holodeck and hitting things, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> and then performing a bizarre Klingon ritual that involved candles. That was. 
Candles and a knife. Uh, yeah. The standard. The, like, the, the standard. All the best sex. Klingon sex toys. Yeah. <laughs> And the, and the knife has a hole in the handle so to, to make sure that they bleed even more. That's important. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I also want to talk about, like, I like the um, the alien in this. It's like, in the, they say there were two alien species on this planet. There was a physical one and an energy being. And the physical ones wiped themselves out. Uh, and the energy ones saw that and didn't want that to happen again. So they've like... They, they saw somebody die and they tried to like put what right and it's like but so they lived with like physical beings for years and they know them so they know that this is not a sustainable or sensible way to deal with like grief yeah uh, <laughs> but then again that energy alien is essentially their version of chat GBT <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna say how many this is the what fifth episode of season three? I think so, yeah. And it's the second near godlike energy being that we've, we've encountered. I I think that maybe space isn't meant for biological entities. <laughs> all of these fucking creatures around that can fucking just end all of like just recreate all of human society on whim. Could you could you imagine if um, if after its ongoing mission, or no? In fact, can you imagine if after Voyager got back, and uh, everyone was cheering and oh my god, we're going to have Voyager Day. Let's hear from Captain Janeway what she has to say. And Janeway just got up to the mic and went, "Space, not for us." <laughs> <laughs> I leave it. Uh, they, they... They are going to do apparently. Um, uh, they want to do like a, a, a version, like like a Picard, but for Janeway. They want to do like a legacy sequel, and I want that show so much to just be Captain Janeway being put on trial for all the multiple war crimes she committed <laughs> throughout Voyager. Because Janeway does some. Sh- Janeway allies with the Borg uh, at one point. Like she does some shit. To, or to get home and it's like just just get home slower I'm sorry it's not it's not the best solution but yeah. it's the Starfleet way yep because <laughs> yeah. they I don't I, they don't have families on Voyager do they I don't I don't remember I think they do right um, I don't think they have kids because they were going specifically after the Marquis in the Badlands yep which is a bit of Star Trek nonsense that makes no fucking sense. But uh, we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the Marquis are right. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. I, I mean, okay. I do like the fact that they this is dealt with this episode by just like they talk to the kid and have to have like a counsellor explain to him, like have people explain to him, Look, it's nice that this person can be here and pretend to be your mum. But your mum's dead. Yeah. And I know that you're eight, but that's the reality and you've got to deal with it. Yeah. Or or we leave you behind on this empty, miserable planet and you pretend to have a whole life until you die. Uh... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can see the appeal on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. The problem is... It's all well and good to go. Oh, we will give you your your mum back. We can like grant your every wish. And that's fine when you're doing that for like an eight year old. Yeah. But when he gets to like fucking fifteen, 
that energy aliens are going to start having to provide some weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, that's kind of... Because I, I think about... Because obviously I was raised Catholic. So I so I often think about, like, the concept of heaven. Like, like this idea that they taught us in primary school uh, when they were indoctrinating us as kids. And they were like, "When you yeah, die, everything's the brainwashing." Yeah, everything sucks now, and don't and everything sucks. This kid's mom's dead. That's what the, that's what my teacher said. This kid's mom's dead. <laughs> this kid's mom's gonna die. I'm not gonna tell you anything about that. But when you die, you get to heaven. Everything's great. You just do what you want all the time. I'm like, don't sound very fun. Sounds a bit boring, to be honest. <laughs> The problem with heaven as a concept as presented in one of the big problems I always had with the Catholic version of heaven was that there's a lot of like that they 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 have a, they have an issue which is they want to give you the, the Catholic Church pitch. you're saying have an issue yeah the have an issue they have one or two one or two <laughs> um, but they want to give you the sales pitch of like oh it's anything it's heaven it's the best oh it's a great and then as a kid I immediately went well will my cat be there. And they were like, no, animals don't go to heaven. I was like, well, that sounds fucking miserable. Yeah. And isn't this kid essentially getting the, the promised land of the old Mormonism? Like, oh, you'll get your own planet. Because <laughs> imagine, right, imagine, right, imagine you're a Mormon, right? And, you, and you're one of the... Okay, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm there. Okay, go on. <laughs> and, and you're one of the, what is it, 140,000 that are going to get to have their own planets? Because yeah. Mormonism is like, well, we have to be realistic. There are there only are so many M class planets in the universe that we can access. Uh, <laughs> so there's only a few of you that are actually going to get it. And you and you, you live your whole life. You don't drink coffee. You wear the magic underwear and all that. And then you get there, and God's there, and He's like, ah, oh, so welcome to death. Uh, sorry, sorry that it happened in such an embarrassing way, but you know, to make up for it, here is your planet. Anyway, see ya. And then you're, yeah. just, you're just stuck on some barren fucking wasteland flying around the sun. Yeah, so can, can, I, have, can I have people here? Well, they'll look like people. Uh, yeah. and, and for all intents and purposes, they'll look like people. Only you'll know that they're not real. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> and I really want to, em- really to emphasise that. They are not real. Okay, well, <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> Because the thing about art, like life, is what makes it interesting. Is that it's you know finite. Like because like if if enough life exists, I'll basically uh, my version of heaven would be like, well, okay, can I just go without having any memory of it beforehand? Can I just go live Spider Man's life? Yeah, yeah, it'd be horrible at points, but for other sections, I'll get to be Spider Man. Um, <laughs> what if, right? What? And then. <laughs> and then and then you die in there and you go back to heaven it's like oh that was fun and then I just do that for all of the Marvel heroes and they'll be like right I'm bored uh... <laughs> what if that's what this is now oh, what God. if you and I died in a previous life and God pops down <laughs> to our planet because again Mormonism is the one true religion <laughs> and said right you can either stick around on this planet and I don't know man here's a spade or whatever or <laughs> Here's an iPad. Here's all. Here's all the infinite number of lives that happened. Who do you pick? I, I don't want to know the person who would pick me. Well, here's the thing, though. You're assuming that you are were first choice. Um, you might. They might be well down the list. 
Because obviously, once you've done one, you're just dead again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you go, like, don't get right, me wrong. Uh, fuck it. I would say that most other people on the planet, I would pick after me, but there's a hell of a lot of people I would pick before me. Yeah, yeah. Is it just, uh, is it just you where you one. are in the queue? <laughs> is it is it like the old, oh, we're experiencing a higher than average number of calls today? You'll get what you're given. Yeah, so in death, you can choose to live any life of any person who's who's lived in the entire multiverse. So you get to be Batman if you want. That, I don't be Batman. Be Superman. That's easier. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to do all the training. Nah. Um, but, <laughs> but but you get to like live every life. There's got to be like you got to like. So do you immediately go to God? Well, what's the best one? Uh, and then he tells you what is the best life. It's like, oh, there's a there's a universe where you get to be Spider-Man, but Uncle Ben doesn't die, and actually there's no supervillains. You just swing about, right? Okay. Or uh, do you start with that, or do you go, oh, that's a good one. I'm going to save that. I'll save that until after. And then, and then I've got to assume there's a vast majority of the lives that it's like, so just, well, I can think of six million people I don't want to be, for one. Uh, <laughs> that didn't end well. Um <laughs> Yeah. Your chosen people, apparently. Oh no, it was the Mormons. Oh, sorry. Uh, right, that's that's that was their mistake. Uh. <laughs> yeah, this one's going in the server fire for sure. I was, <laughs> I was I was I was hoping I'd be able to keep this one. I was hoping I'd be able to keep this one in the Michelle Obama KKK episode, but not straight in the bin. Uh. <laughs> Disgusting. Um, yeah, it's yeah because it's it's it comes. I, I like to think I've got quite a creative imagination, but what about the people who don't? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I, because even if their version of heaven is being incredibly, like even the most creative person will eventually run out of ideas. Like this is why, if anybody has watched The Good Place, um, what they the the big fix for heaven is that they put a door in and when you walk through that it's over <laughs> like that's the that's the way they, they fix heaven um, I feel like that's, that's how they place. can fix life <laughs> if there was a door somewhere and if you just walked through it like that that was it I would have thrown a lot of people through that door <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh. yeah Oh, what's that? You want to vote for UKIP? Actually, there's a special booth for you. It's just through that door. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, the, the, oh. the, the world is in for a shock when I'm finally a dictator. <laughs> so this reminds me This, I, I, this reminds me of a story from uh, a Dungeons & Dragons campaign that my, uh, my friend John ran, which is that there is a, a magical item in D&D called the Bag of Holding, mm-hmm. where it's like a, a little satchel but you can put loads of stuff in it and it carries like an inordinate amount and it's basically the I can't be bothered to make you manage your inventory magical item but what is also exists in the uh, world of Dungeons and Dragons is called the the bag of devouring which is identical to a bag of holding (laughs) and cannot be identified as being different from a bag of holding by magical means but everything you put into it it eats and when you try eventually to take stuff out of it it tries to consume you uh, and takes you like, and and you just cease to uh, exist. I don't think you can be resurrected. Like it's like you have never 
existed. Um, my uh, my mate John uh, in a game gave us that item. Uh, there were some japes. We eventually didn't get eaten by the bag, and that's when he expected us to like get rid of it. But what we did is our monk put it on a stick um, and trained with it daily, and thus was invented with the, what we called the goodbye bag. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most devastating and overpowered weapons we've ever had. Because it'd be like, as a rogue, it'd be like, well, if I can get up above them, and then I just wait, and then as they're underneath me, I'll just drop down with the back. <laughs> like, that guard's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I feel like, I feel, because I, I know that a lot of D&D items and creations and things are come, on, are come up with by fans. I feel like that was an item that came up with a guy who um, had something else on that night. But couldn't get out. <laughs> but couldn't get out of the obligation of um, of playing that game. So he was like, "Right, I'm going to give them a bag of holding, except it does this, and hopefully at some point they will all try and take something out of it." Because the because the, the, the minute the, the minute the because obviously the first thing you do with a bag of holding is you put something in, and then you try and take it back out, right? So the first guy that does it disappears. So there's three other people in the party. <laughs> so as the dungeon master, you're like, "Oh, what happened?" And the three other players, well, how are they going to figure it out? I uh, so I uh, my character was the one who tried to get stuff out of it and got pulled like halfway through into the bag and I know that with a normal bag of holding if you turn it inside out it empties out all of the ingredients like things that are in it so I immediately told my uh, somebody else in the party to try and turn the bag inside out and they were uh, and they uh, they quickly made a roll to see how much they knew about magical items and fortunately they rolled high enough to realise that if they had done that. I would have been sliced in half. <laughs> <laughs> that is the, the number one thing in D&D is if you've made something for your players that you think will fuck with them, there is a 99% chance that they're going to work out <laughs> how to use it to their advantage. Yeah. And and that's a lot like this episode of Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know. I agree. Uh, um, but, uh, I, I don't really have much to say about this. I, I feel like this was a very straightforward episode. Yeah, it doesn't really raise a big question, rather than like it's like it's that thing of like, would you rather have your the your loved ones back, but you know it's not real? Yeah, or or move on with grief. And as much as that is like a deeply personal connection, we all know that the correct answer is move move on. Yeah, learn and grow. <laughs> I feel like yeah. the, the best thing that I can say about this episode is it gave me thoughts and ideas about how I could have made this a better, more like interesting episode. I think that, for example, your thing of saying like cut out the alien completely, but I when you say like it's from the kid's perspective, I think the whole thing should have been like. I don't think we should have got them beaming up. We should have got, like, just started with a kid in a room on the ship. There's a knock on the door. The door opens. It's Worf. And he's there to tell them that their mum's dead. Yeah. And then he leaves and goes, your room's a bit of a state. Maybe you should clean it up. And then I was like, oh. Yeah. And he's left in quite a luxurious quarters on his own. And also, uh, when the door opened and he saw Worf there, he should have asked the usual, and Worf went, not today. <laughs> and never explain it. 
the 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 one thing I, I do find interesting about this, and it's not really touched upon, is like. So we've spoken before about how there must be certain weird jobs on board uh, Starship, and one of them is that there must be teachers, there must be some sort of school system. So like. I'm very curious about, but the thing I'm mainly curious about is when they tell the kid that his mum's dead, there's periods in this where they show that he's alone in his quarters. And I can't imagine that, like, there's a single part of, like, official protocol that's, like, not have an adult there. Yeah. Like, he must have a fucking school friend. Yeah. He's like, oh, oh, Jane's dead. Oh, well, fucking... Jeremy can stay here tonight or cook him dinner. <laughs> as we all know, as has become apparent over the last few weeks here in the UK, the teachers are in it for the money. So <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the same as paramedics; they're just greedy. Yeah. They're only in it so they can take your watch if you die. That's that's all they're after. <laughs> yeah, that's why every watch advert has a paramedic in it because they're encouraging. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel, I feel like this could have been a much more interesting episode of science fiction if it had had less science fiction in it. If it had, because like, yeah. I'm, I'm super. As you well know, I am super interested in just the workings of the admin on the Enterprise because yeah. Star Trek, ostensibly, is a show that uses science fiction to talk about the human condition, but every now and again, just to flip things on its head. Star Trek should use the human condition to talk about sci-fi. Like, what what is it what is it really like to live on that ship? And I haven't seen much of Discovery, but I've seen enough people moaning about Discovery online to know that that probably is slightly more the case in Discovery. This is yeah. I was going to say this is one of the obviously as we've been going through Star Trek has been improving in quality yeah. pretty steadily and. Although we neither of us I think has watched it extensively, we know there are problems with original series. But there are some like Star Trek concepts I'm certain the original series did better than are done in, in other ones. This is one of the very few episodes where I think this could be done better by a modern Trek show. Yeah, Strange New Worlds could have tackled this really well, I think. Yeah, it's it's bec- uh, and I don't think that's like a slight on TNG. It's no, just to say that nowadays TV is expected to do more as a storytelling medium, and that means that something like this, where you could just go, yeah, let's just kill a character who's a minor background character, and then have the fallout of that um, emotionally across, like, you have bits with the captain, but also just the characters you've never fucking seen before, who are like, affected by it. Yeah, I think that could be interesting. I mean, I should a, a show about mushroom people taught us more about love last week <laughs> than, <laughs> than, than anything else on television for the last decade. So I I saw uh, I saw a thumbnail um, on from the um, Twitter account Bad YouTube Takes where it was somebody saying they were tricked into watching a gay love story. So I'm just going to spell something out. Um, Bill is a gay character in the fucking games. Uh, he's with fucking Frank. Yeah. If you feel you were tricked, what you mean is you didn't understand the you you didn't know what the plot of The Last of Us was. So yeah, it went a bit more fucking in depth, and Frank didn't kill himself, right? But you know what? It was fucking heart t- heart touching and beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh. Last of Us. The last of I know you don't like the game, but the series has been 
so far fucking phenomenal. I am. Um, I keep I keep re-downloading the game and playing it for about an hour, and then getting frustrated with it and and switching it off, and sometimes deleting it. I'm 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 getting there because because and here and here's the thing that's really going to fucking annoy everyone. Um, my opinion about I think I spoken to you, I spoke I think I spoke to you about this the other day. My opinion about why the Last of Us game doesn't really work um, is that there is nothing in the Last of Us that makes that story unique to being a game. And my brain just can't... It can't reconcile with that. However, the story... And I'm not going to... Because I know Laura listens to this, so we're not going to talk about... You know what I'm talking about. We're not going to talk about anything that happens later in the story. But there is something about The Last of Us 2 that is completely unique to the fact that it is a game being played by you, the, this, the objective observer, that I think won't quite work as well as a TV show? I, 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 I was saying this. I don't, I don't think they should make... I know what they're like, and I know they will, they're rushed to make The Last of Us Season 2, assuming that Season 1 is the whole story from the first game. Yeah. If there is, I, I, I guess I say this, you can't make another series, Series 2, for at least five years, because Ellie needs to be an adult by the time it happens. Yeah. Um, and, but also, people aren't going to be happy with what happens almost immediately uh um and and for and, and very specifically in a game what happens makes complete sense given the plot and it's fine and it is but for a tv series it's something that you very specifically should never do yeah um but yeah i'm i yeah because I, I i i really i will say one thing that i do um I was trying to explain to um, Emma uh, the other other day about um, The Last of Us. And it's come down to... I, I saw a review ages ago of Shadow of the Colossus, um, back when it first came out, and they were explaining why gaming as a medium has more of an emotional effect sometimes. And it was the bit in Shadow of the Colossus where, near the end, where it looks like the horse, your horse has died. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, I can watch a movie where a horse dies and I'll be sad because... The horse has died, and that's a terrible thing. But when I'm playing a game, and my horse dies, yeah, that's that hits different because it's my horse, yeah. uh, and that's very much a thing about how I feel about The Last of Us. Is like there are characters I like in fiction, and then there is Ellie, who, as far as I'm concerned, is my surrogate daughter <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that I deeply, deeply care about. Um, so yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's a weird thing to see, but yeah, it's been great so far. I've really enjoyed it. it. And Nick Offerman was fucking oh. the best call for casting. Yeah, um, yeah. Who else are you gonna but, get <laughs> to play mad, a mad gay survivalist? <laughs> uh, anything else? I actually need yeah. to pop off. I need to go to work. Not not to peel back the fucking veil on. You just Im- on, on you imagining us just beaming this into your head as you listen to it. We recorded this it's- before, and unfortunately, due to the nature of time, <laughs> I have to go do another thing. Yeah, yeah, so do I. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah. Okay. Bye. Good. Day. Well, bye.
The Captain Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at Ed Edwards Comedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog.